0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it.
1: Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life.
0: It is Saturday morning, the 17th of February. We are live. Welcome, friends, to our broadcast of our daily scripture and prayer time great to have you with me thank you for inviting others to hop on as well and we're going to go into the presence of the lord we're going to delve into his word as we continue our lenten journey we've just begun our lenten journey over these recent days and it is a time of renewal it is a time of repentance it is a time of joy joyful embracing of the new life that christ gives us and the readings of course tell us what that new life is like and how we are to live it. So let's put ourselves in His presence, and let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we have embarked on this journey because we are disciples of Your Son. He tells us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. He wants, He demands, that the center of gravity of our lives be Him, the Lord, you, His Father. That God be the center of our lives. Because, Father, You know and You tell us in Your Word, as Jesus told us, that is where our joy and our fulfillment lie. That is where our eternal life is to be found. Enable us, therefore, to repent more deeply of our sins and to engage in these Lenten practices with that great goal in mind, that You be our greatest desire, our strongest love, the clearest guide, the ultimate authority in our lives, and thus, living as Your disciples, that we gain the joys of salvation. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. You can leave your prayer intentions in the comments, as some of you are doing already, so that we can all pray for one another. Let's go into the scriptures here. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech, if you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. Then the Lord will guide you always and give you plenty even on the parched land. He will renew your strength, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. The ancient ruins shall be rebuilt for your sake, and the foundations from ages past you shall raise up. Repairer of the breach, they shall call you, restorer of ruined homesteads. If you hold back your foot on the Sabbath from following your own pursuits on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight in the Lord's day, holy day, honorable, if you honor it by not following your ways, seeking your own interests, or speaking with malice, then you shall delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will nourish you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord, has spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We um, reflect in other readings on the fact that, as I just said in the opening prayer, Lent is about shifting the center of gravity of our lives. You really want to boil it down to you: know, why do we give up things for Lent? Why do we have to abstain from meat on Fridays within our our Catholic community? Why do we do these communal acts of penance? Well, it's not because there's anything wrong with meat. It's not because there's anything wrong with any of the other things we might sacrifice for Lent, like chocolate or ice cream. It's not that there's anything wrong with these things. It's that we want to gain strength and freedom, inner freedom, being detached from pleasures or conveniences, so that when a temptation comes, when the pull is not towards something good, like chocolate, but something bad, like lust or pride or unrighteous anger, well, then we'll be able to resist that. We have one will, either it's strong or it's weak. Either we're able to take refuge in the Lord and say, Lord, what's going to sway me the most is your will. What's going to sway me the most is loyalty to you. Unless we can say that we're going to be subject to the winds and waves of all kinds of temptation. It's going to be easier to just give up to temptation. But no, in Lent we strengthen ourselves, we take these exercises of self-sacrifice, and we are able to say yes more and more easily to God. So, very clear in this reading is, you know, as you observe your religious practices, do not follow your own ways. Follow the ways of the Lord. Now, connected with that, one of the things this reading says more than once, it talks about the tongue. It talks about speech. It talks about the things we say. It warns against malicious speech. It warns against false accusation. We can think of, in the New Testament, the, uh, the letter of St. James, right? He has in that letter the passage about the tongue. Being really small, but like the small rudder, it can steer a big ship, or like the small match, it can light a flame that turns into a forest fire. The tongue can do so much damage. This reading talks about false accusation and malicious speech. And it says that the false accusation and malicious speech, removing this from our midst, is precisely one of the ways that we are serving and honoring the Lord. I want to talk a little bit about malicious speech and false accusation. It comes in various different forms. You know of the sins of calumny and slander. You have calumny, uh, which is, you know, you take something that you know about somebody else, something that may well be true, and you want to hurt their reputation, so you spread it around. You have no business spreading it around, you have no responsibility towards that person or opportunity to make things better. You are just spread, spread false, not, not that it's false necessarily, but that there's no reason to be saying it. You have a malicious intent in saying it. It's not just enough that something that you say is true. And then, of course, there's slander, which is, you're, it's false. You're making up things. False accusation, slander. You make up things about other people. There's another category of malicious speech and and those of us who are involved in the defense of babies from the violence of, uh, of abortion and that's how we talk about these children. Of course, one of the key aspects of malicious speech when it comes to groups of victims, like the unborn, is precisely not mentioning them. This is where malicious speech takes on uh, uh, the opposite appearance. It's it's malicious silence. I'm going to speak about the evils in the world, and I'm going to leave out abortion. Well, that's a form of malicious speech, because you're, you're speaking... And then you're omitting the most obvious form of violence, the most widespread and destructive form of violence. When somebody says something positive about legal abortion, that's actually malicious speech. Malicious to those children who are being killed, and it's like well, that person doesn't even mention the children. Oh, well, abortion's a great thing, some people say. Why? Well, because Women's reproductive rights are being upheld, and bodily autonomy, and freedom, and health care. Yeah, those are all good things. You're missing one essential point. The children! The blind spot is unbelievable. It really is. So malicious speech ends up being how we talk about certain groups of people Whom we dehumanize. Potential life. Parasites. Tissue. I've spoken in previous broadcasts about the book Dehumanizing the Vulnerable by Professor William Brennan, subtitled When Word Games Take Lives. The literature of the Holocaust calls the Jewish people all kinds of derogatory names, the bully in the schoolyard starts calling his intended victim names before attacking them. We dehumanize by the language that we use, and the most dehumanized group of human beings in our midst are, in fact, the unborn, and the way we talk about them often manifests that. There's another dimension I want to mention about this uh, with regard to false accusation and malicious speech. Now, you and I have, you know, at one time or another, we've all been the victim of uh, malicious speech. People saying bad things about us, making things up, or spreading things that are true but that they shouldn't be talking about or exaggerated. The problem here is not just that we do it so easily that so many people do it so easily. That's not the only dimension of the problem. I want to point out another dimension of the problem. And paying attention to this is a key part of obeying this command to remove malicious speech and false accusation from our midst, to remove it from our midst we have to understand this other dimension that i'm about to mention it's not just that we do it so easily friends it's that we believe it so easily so th- this is what gives fuel to it the person who is guilty of calumny or slander you know people have a right it's not a favor that we have give them a good reputation they have a right to their reputation Justice demands that people have uh, their good reputation protected. And if the person who's guilty of making something up about somebody or spreading around some negative fact about somebody is, if that person is doing that and nobody's believing them and nobody's listening to them and nobody's repeating it and nobody's acting differently because of it, you end up isolating them and isolating the harm and the evil that they're doing. But the problem is that so many people just take hook, line, and sinker without any critical thinking whatsoever. They believe a report about somebody and even sp- spread it to others. Or, and then hence what are they doing? They're encouraging and multiplying the evil. They're encouraging and multiplying the evil or they're, they're, you know, they're, giving, it, they're giving it oxygen. Brothers and sisters, we have to think critically. Whenever we hear something negative about someone, we need to check uh, ourselves at that moment and be careful about where our mind goes. Are we just going to believe it just because somebody said it? Or are we going to challenge them? Are we going to warn them? Listen, you better not speak that way about, about this person unless you, have, unless you have proof. And if you have proof, then you, know, you better think twice about where you go with that proof instead of just spouting your mouth off. We need to put people in their place when they talk negatively about, about others. And we need to challenge them, if they're going to say something, to back up what they're saying. And the reason that so much speech is malicious speech is because there is nothing to back up what they're saying. The only reason they're saying it is their malice. That's what makes the malicious speech malicious. We see this playing out in the realm of politics today. It's playing out in the realm of politics as we see the weaponization of government against political enemies. What they are doing, what the left is doing to President Trump, what they have been doing to him since 2015. When he announced that he was running for president, that's when many who previously liked him turned against him because he was running for president on the Republican ticket. And they started making up lies about him. Russian collusion. That's a big hoax. Impeachment number one, impeachment number two. All hoaxes. And these indictments that he's facing now, in four different places, four different trial set to happen? Brothers and sisters, you study it, delve into it, don't take my word for it, read uh, Alan Dershowitz's book, Get Trump. Alan Dershowitz isn't even a Trump supporter, but he's a constitutional expert. And he says he's never seen anything like this in all his life, in all his experience with the law and with the Constitution. People making things up and turning them into federal cases, literally. What President Trump is facing is false accusation and malicious speech. It is based on nonsense, lies, and garbage. The problem, the harm that it does, brothers and sisters, is not just when somebody says it. The harm that it does is in when somebody believes it. Push back against that. Let's say that if in one of these various charges that, that have been... Um, filed against President Trump, that there is a conviction that, that comes down sometime in, in the coming months. There could be. I don't know. You know, There's a lot of uh, very legitimate uh, tools that President Trump's lawyers can use to delay these trials well beyond the election. And, and, but, but I want to put out a scenario for you here because, again, it comes to my point here about believing false accusation. Not believing it is one of the ways. What like Jesus is saying, or like, <laughs> Isaiah is saying here, that we remove it from our midst. You remove it from your midst by not letting it get any oxygen, not believing it, and pushing back against those who do believe it. Let's say it was a conviction handed down against President Trump. So what? It's all based on false accusation. A conviction deriving from the charges and indictments that are based on false accusation has no more validity than the original false accusation. It's all garbage. Oh, but you know, but a jury looks at it and so forth. Yeah, but these are... This is garbage being fed to them. Garbage in, garbage out. You have people arguing something based on something that didn't even happen. You can come to a judgment about it. it It's disconnected from reality from square one. And this is just one example. This is a glaring example in our current political life of something that we're facing every single day. Let's be careful here I'm not just saying be careful about what we say. Obviously, the Scripture commands that we, we say the right thing about people. But let's be very careful about what we believe. All right, one other thing. None of this has anything to do with speech that does, in fact, speak negatively of somebody, but you have to say it out of duty. Remember, Jesus himself needed to warn the people about the deceptive teaching of the scribes and pharisees and the lawyers of his time and so he publicly said you screw pharisees you hypocrites you frauds like whitewashed tombs he really spoke out and then at a certain point you see this in the gospels when the lawyers said master in teaching this way uh, you're insulting us too and he turns around to them and he says woe to you lawyers also jesus was exercising the duty to warn people of the destruction that others were bringing through their teaching, through their bad example. And we need to be able to do the same. See, when we confuse these things, when we think that because Scripture says remove from your midst false oppression, uh, false accusation, and malicious speech, we translate that sometimes too simply and too broadly into the dictum never say anything bad about anybody. Brothers and sisters, that's not the command here. That's not the command never to say anything bad about anybody. That's not what this said. It says false accusation and malicious speech. But sometimes there's prophetic speech that has to point out the false prophets. Sometimes there's loving speech that has to protect someone from the actions of somebody else. And we have to warn people that somebody may in fact be posing a threat because of their actions, their plans, or their false teaching or let's, again, going back to the world of politics, people in power today who are destroying America. Joe Biden. People might say, oh, well, you know, it's not nice to say anything uh, about, uh, anything bad about him. Oh, really? When he's destroying the country? You're not going to point that out to the voters so that they don't vote again on this? To keep in power somebody who's who's literally betraying his promise to the American people? The the people in public office have a public trust. Now, if they don't want to be getting any kind of criticism, then they shouldn't have gotten into public life in the first place. As soon as you get into public life, you're going to face Criticism, and a lot of it legitimate. And you have to be ready for people to launch legitimate criticism against you if your policies are harming the people you're supposed to be serving. So don't confuse that with this. Don't confuse the um, command of Scripture here with this, like some of you are pointing out, the rhinos, you know, They don't know how to fight. Oh, no, no, we we, we can't say anything bad about anybody. Nonsense. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus said it clearly. When there is a need to protect people from evildoers, we must point out the evil. We must make sure it's true. It can't be false accusation. It can't be just politically convenient speech just because we have a good purpose in mind remember the end doesn't justify the means we have might might have a good purpose but it doesn't mean we can lie and yet when we are speaking truth when we are revealing truth when we are prophetically uncovering truth then yes we must speak you see keeping the balance here it's 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 tricky it's tricky too many people fall into one extreme or the other Let's keep on the right path here, speaking the truth always, and speaking the truth in love. Amen. Lord, we turn to you today, and we ask you to put a blessing upon our lips and our tongues. But Lord, more than that, put a blessing upon our ears, and let us never indulge in listening to false accusation and malicious speech. Put a blessing on our, on our minds, on our judgment, that we may always refrain from the judgment that others are speaking rightly and truly. When we hear a negative criticism of somebody, let's always demand, in our own mind, in our own judgment, the further evidence, whether we request it of the one who's speaking or whether we go and search into it for ourselves but keep our minds from rash judgment because lord that's the other side of this equation of the false and malicious speech do we judge rashly in our minds just because somebody said something help us lord god to be sober in judgment as your word commands help us lord god to see things as you see them help us lord god to think well and speak well, and act well of our neighbors. Lord, we lift up to you all the prayer intentions that are being voiced during this time, all those prayers remaining in our hearts, all the needs of your people. And we pray now with the greatest of confidence in the words Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay,
1: friends, have a great Saturday, have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon. God bless. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000.